0: Welcome to What's Working in Washington on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. in Washington, here's a What's Working in Washington Extra, where we talk about an issue of importance here in the D.C. region. I've had many conversations over the last few months, in fact, probably for the last 20 years, about what's going on in the capital markets and how do entrepreneurs raise capital to talk about the current trends in the venture market and what actually drives access to capital. There are three experts here in the studio with me. Gene Rickers is a business advisor and investor. You've probably run across him in Valhalla. He's involved in startups like Cybercash and more recently uh, involved in educational investment. Ed Bariantos is with Brazen Careers now, is a founder, he's a serial entrepreneur, he's an angel investor of Note, and Ryan Schwarz is here as well. He's co-founder of Navamed Capital, a healthcare investor who looks at deals around the country. Gentlemen, it's great to have you here. Great to be here. Well, you you. know, it's a murderer's row of expertise here in the studio, (laughs) and I'm very excited about it. Gene, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Recently, you commented in a column I wrote about the venture capital market and, and the donut hole that exists so entrepreneurs think money just kind of falls from the sky, you know, that, that somehow VCs will just snap their fingers and hundreds of millions of dollars will be raised. That's that's not the way the market works, is it?
1: No, it isn't. Uh, the, the challenge is is that uh, venture capitalists have to go raise money, and people don't think about that. But venture capitalists, venture capital firms and private equity firms have to go raise money. And they generally have to raise money from limited partners. And the largest source of limited partner capital is endowment funds, generally at colleges, and uh, pension funds at uh, uh, state governments and, and unions. And they're going to put the money in the places where they find the best uses and best returns for it. So uh, those people are looking for the best returns. And if they don't think venture capital is the best place to put it, or a certain type of venture capital is the best place to put it, it's not going to go there.
0: One of the things that I find fascinating about this whole dance is somehow entrepreneurs look at VCs like they're, and part of it may be the way the system works, like they're the crown prince or princesses of capital. But the reality is, and you, I think VCs are just service providers like doctors and dentists. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, I think they, they serve a, a very critical role. They always have. I think that, you know, what what I would say about our region, what has changed uh, definitely in the last 20 years since I've been either raising uh, money or or investing money, is the fact that you have had this... Angel community grow in this area, you know, when when I first came With regard to a business to the area, you know, there were some angels typically, you know, very very well-known Entrepreneurs that had done very well that invested but they were really tough to find and you know There just weren't that many today. You have a whole range a whole ecosystem of early I'll say seed stage investors I think they, they serve a really critical role today. Um, VCs, of course, serve an important role as well. But, you know, you have to go through the first phase of, of angel investing. Typically, you know, typically you think of the, the first place you go to, to, to get money is your friends, your family. Then you go to angels. And it tends to follow the amounts of money that you're raising. If you're raising you know, $10,000, $50,000, maybe if you, if you have a wealthy family, $100,000, uh, you start there. The next bit of cash, maybe up to a million dollars. Today, maybe even up to $2 million, you would go and, and deal with angels. When I, when I first started raising funding in this area, it was really hard to get that kind of money without going to a VC. Um, today, you can actually begin and get your seed funding from lots and lots of angels, either angel, or individual angels like myself or angel syndicates, angel groups. There's just a whole bunch more today than there were 20 years ago.
0: Well, Ryan, I want to bring you in a conversation. Um, help me understand. We just use the term angel. Angel is a very positive emotional attribution. <laughs> But an angel investor is just somebody who's invested their own money. Ryan, you've been an angel investor, you're a professional investor. How do you differentiate in your mind between a venture investor and an angel investor? Or how should entrepreneurs differentiate them?
3: Another word for angel investor that's often used is the three Fs, right? Friends, family, and fools. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's, some, there's probably some truth to that. Um, I think the best way to think about and differentiate venture, venture investors and other institutional investors from angels is just that institutional investors... Or professional investors deploying a, a, a pool of capital across a, a portfolio of investments um, have, a, have a mandate to, to de- develop a portfolio that has a, a, a defined risk profile. Angels invest in, you know, by definition, the earliest stage uh, enterprises and their mission is to try to find moonshots, right? Um, but that has the highest risk po- profile. That tends not to be the risk profile that venture investors, institutional venture investors chase. And that's, in, in, I think, in large part because of, as, as Gene was saying, where their funds come from. If you're investing money on behalf of endowments and pension funds, your mandate is to deliver a, a set of investments with both a risk risk profile and a return profile that's appropriate for those investors.
0: Gene, you've been an angel investor. You are an angel investor. You've been manager of a VC fund. How does it, how does it differentiate when you're investing your own money vis-a-vis somebody else's? Uh,
1: when I'm investing my own money, frankly, I can take risks and I can do things that I have more flexibility than uh, when I'm investing other people's money. When I'm investing other people's money, frankly, in some ways I'm more careful. Um, I have a greater sense of responsibility to my institutional investors because, first of all, as as Ryan said, I have a mandate. I have a legal responsibility to follow a charter that I've agreed to with them about how I'm going to invest their money and uh, a responsibility to deliver expected returns to them so that, frankly, I can stay in business. I need to deliver returns to them to uh, raise subsequent funds. Um, As an angel investor, I can invest for reasons beyond just a financial return. I can invest for because I want to help somebody. I can invest for a social good. I can invest for a variety of uh, intended uh, uh, returns beyond just financial.
0: Ed Variantos, you're an angel investor, and you got involved. You're like Victor Kiyam, you, know, you know, you know, you bought Gillette because he liked the razor blades. You you started Brazen. You were an investor, and now you're the CEO. Well, how do you approach investing as an angel? Is it true if it's your money, if you wanna walk down the street with a fruit basket on your head, who cares? I mean, <laughs> what, what's
2: it about? Well, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, 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 I agree that, you know, as a, as a VC, you have a different mandate. Um, and, and I agree with what Gene said. You know, oftentimes you're, you know, the, the investments are much more emotional. They're gut level investments. Um, you know, what, what is exciting to me as an angel investor is dealing with the entrepreneurs the excitement that is there, the the possibilities that are there. I will tell you. I mean, and, and this comes back to your point on the on the moonshot and the and actually the three f's. Point, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Ryan's point on the three f's. You know, I I, I have often played the fool. Mm-hmm. You you get excited. Uh, being an angel investor is very very tough. Your your chances of getting any return are very difficult. And you ask me, you know, my my relationship with the companies. You know, oftentimes I've invested in companies that have not done well, that I've found myself having to go into the companies and, you know, I'll say rescue or, or try to rectify a situation there. And that that has sucked me back into the operating role back when, you know, perhaps I didn't want to do that. So that there is a lot of that in the angel community. You know, you, you, you have people that have built startups that still have a little bit of that in them. They they invest in companies. You know the companies need their help, and you get sucked back in. And that's not atypical.
3: And that's but that's what makes the best angels, isn't it? Yeah. Right? I mean, in, investors who've been there and done that and can actually know know when to step in and also know when not to
2: step in. Know when when to let the team they've bet on run with the ball. I I think that's a good point. If I if I may add one thing, I think you you do have a variety of angels. And I, I always, you know, when I'm talking to an entrepreneur and I'm giving advice, I always suggest that they look for angels that have actually built startups mm-hmm. because you can have an angel that's, in a, you know, and, and specifically tech startups. If you're a tech company, you know, if you're a restaurant and you're looking for angel investment from that perspective, a restaurateur is probably a good investor. They're going to bring a lot of mentoring, a lot of advice, a lot of counsel, a lot of experience in, in the tech world. The the. The peculiar nature of building a startup is really unique and, you know, having somebody that's been through that, um, that understands the, the, the requirements um, of, a, of a tech startup is important. It makes a difference at the end.
0: So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the next thing I want to ask you about is, does the way that you connect with an investor differ if you're talking with an angel investor or a professional investor? We're here. What's working in Washington? We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. What's working in Washington, Exter? We're talking about the dynamics of the local risk capital, venture capital community with three experts here in studio. Gene Rickers is a business advisor. He most recently was associated with EverFi, where he was a director, but he's been involved with lots of startups and has also been a professional investor here. Ed Barrientos is a serial entrepreneur, angel investor with Brazen, a company that's changing the way entrepreneurs and individuals connect with job opportunities and internships. And Ryan Schwarz is co-founder of Navimed Capital, an experienced healthcare investor. He looks for deals around the country to make medical technology is commonplace, guys, the human fact, the connection. Ed, I'll start with you. If I'm an entrepreneur, is it any different for how I should approach a va- an angel investor, a VZ, a professional investor?
2: You know, there, there are differences. I, I'd say the I'll, I'll start with the, the common sort of approach is networking. There is no directory that you can go to and, and make lots of phone calls. You have to be out there. There is an ecosystem in, in this area. There's an ecosystem in the country and every region has it. You have to get to know people. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges for many entrepreneurs is getting the nerve and, and becoming a networker. Not every not every entrepreneur is a natural networker, but you have to go out there. Luckily, in this area, there are lots and lots of opportunities to meet the right people, whether it's angels, whether it's VCs, whether it's, you know, uh, later stage investors. That's one of the most important things is getting to know Lots and lots of people that can make the proper introduction.
0: Ryan and Gene, let's. I want to bring in this conversation. I think there's something else. It's not networking. You have to connect with people, don't you? Don't, I mean, I've never seen a venture investor make an investment in somebody where they can't stand the founder.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. So the the first step is getting in front of the venture investor, and best way to do that, if if you want to meet a venture capital investor, the best way is through some intermediary. And if you work with a lawyer, an accountant, or similar service provider who is really plugged into the venture community in Washington, in New York, Boston, or Silicon Valley, San Francisco, et cetera, they will have those contacts and they will know who would be an appropriate investor for you and when, and they will provide those introductions. And they will get you those meetings if they're appropriate, if you're a, a, a real candidate for investment. that Those venture firms will generally take those meetings. And the reason they will take those meetings is because they don't want to turn off a source of quality deal flow. When I was a venture investor, if somebody was sending me regularly was sending me good opportunities, I didn't ignore random opportunities to meet. Maybe they would send me 50 opportunities, I'd only invest in one, but I didn't know which one it was going to be. So I'd meet with a lot of lesser candidates in order to make sure I got the right one. And and a lot of investors take that approach. So getting to somebody through an intermediary who is trusted by the venture investment community really matters because that person is trusted, and they don't want to alienate that that deal flow. So you get in front of them. So that's great for story. But Ryan, I mean, it's not just a story. What makes you want to
0: actually invest in somebody?
3: Well, there's a couple. There's two things that that are also quite important. One, and this is a distinct distinction from uh, speaking with angel investors. Venture investors care an awful lot about proof points. Right. Angel investors tend to care most about what's the size of the opportunity, how big can this thing be? And they're comfortable taking the risk that there aren't a lot of proof points at that point. Venture investors, even ones that focus on early stage investing, want to see some evidence, something they can hang their hat on that this company, this project has has reasons that it might be the winner, that it might be the moonshot that they're looking for. And so marshalling what your case around the proof points you have is awfully important. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing is, understanding the specific strategy of the venture firm. I mean, all venture firms are not created equal. Some focus on earlier stage, later stage. Some want to see companies with revenue. Some are comfortable investing in companies that don't have revenue. Some focus on specific sectors within the technology industry. And it's awfully important to understand who you're selling to and what they do for a living. And tailoring your story to to, you know, to your audience—it's no different than any other sales task. But it's amazing to me how often I see business pitches that that aren't really on target for what for what I do or for what my firm does. See, I don't and, think, and not, and go ahead. To,
1: Jim. Just to add to Ryan's point, it's not only knowing the firm; it's knowing the person. You may, you can get in the right church and be in the wrong pew, where you're you're pitching the the firm invests in something like what you do, but the partner you're talking to doesn't. It's the partner that's not in the meeting that does so. So you got to be thoughtful about that too. And and one other thing I would add is it it's
2: it's a very difficult task. You know, for entrepreneurs, they have to assume they're going to have a, a, sort of like what Gene was saying earlier. He has to look at a hundred companies before he makes one investment. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies for entrepreneurs. You may have to pitch a hundred VCs, a hundred investors before you find the one that. Likes your idea that you like yourself. It's it's very difficult. It is not for the faint-hearted. It it can be very very um, frustrating, you know. And for a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, that's sort of the first test of do you have the perseverance, do you have the patience and the hustle to actually keep hitting hard even though you're getting rejected many times. So I think that is that is you know that's always been part of the the struggle and also the the sort of self-filtering system that's in there. So
0: Ryan and Gene, you've raised hundreds of millions of dollars over your careers. Uh, you've had to raise
2: money. Do you think that
0: fundraising, when you look at an entrepreneur, there's an element of, I went through this hell. Let, let's let see how you deal with it. Yeah,
1: I've raised, uh, I think I've raised $660 million in funds to then invest into, into companies. It's really hard. I'm, <laughs> I'm really sympathetic with... <laughs> with entrepreneurs and, and the challenge of raising money. And I've been asked many great questions and many really bad questions in the process. And I get it, um, but you gotta go through the process. You gotta talk to the people and you gotta satisfy their desires or questions and so on. And one, one, one piece of advice I'd have from that is, as Ed was saying, you may go through a hundred meetings before you find that right investor listen to the feedback you get from the people who say no from the meetings you have that don't work out because that feedback may give you advice about your business or it may give you advice about how you're telling the story of your business. Maybe your business is fine. You're telling the story poorly, but you know, think about the feedback you're getting. It may actually be really useful. Yeah. And I think that that brings up
3: one um, sort of pro tip that I think is, is I often give entrepreneurs, which is, uh, when you go out to embark on raising, uh, serious amount of capital make sure your first 5 to 7 8 meetings are with people who you do not expect to raise money from <laughs> friends you know acquaintances in the business maybe venture capitalists who don't invest in what you do they invest in another industry but they're they're professional investors find test audiences and go go do test marketing to them it will dramatically refine and enhance your pitch and your story
1: i'll tell you, i've made i have made exactly the mistake that ryan is talking about i <laughs> you, you you finish writing the pitch and you go your first five meetings are with your best five opportunities. That's not smart.
2: Well, and, and you 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 sort of hinted at this earlier, Jonathan. I think you have to also understand where you are in in the continuum. Your, your continuum, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, at the beginning, if you're just pitching an idea, you have no proof points, you have no traction, you may not even have a product. It's a very different audience. It's a very different pitch. It's you know your your challenges are different than if you're five years in. You have six, seven, eight million dollars worth of of revenue or ARR. At that point, it's the numbers, right? It, it, much more so than your powerpoints. It's really the numbers, and you know in in one sense, it's you know it, it you 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 have to evolve. All the rules still are correct, you, you, I would still choose four or five that I know that aren't going to invest in me. But, you know, it changes. But, but you know, oftentimes the, the folks that I hear from often are the early stage folks that are asking to pitch VCs when they, you know, they, they, they have they. no idea exactly what they're going to do. They have a basic concept. They may have a proof of concept. You know, that I think that's an important piece. And, and that you know as as my my colleagues here were saying finding mentors or finding intermediaries law firms bank bankers they're all willing Experience to help exactly yep. you know when we come back after break
0: i want to turn my attention this last segment to what's going on in this market a lot of people want to know you guys are going to tell them that's what we're going to cover after the break and what's working in washington extra back into What's Working in Washington X. are talking about the local venture capital and risk capital market with Gene Ricker as business advisor and investor. Ed Bariento, serial entrepreneur and angel investor and Ryan Shores, co-founder of Navamed Capital. What's going on in DC market right now that to your mind really define the, the current issues and challenges of raising capital? Ed, uh, I've got a feeling you've got something to say about this.
2: <laughs> I, you know, I, I do. I think I, I hear much of the chatter that you do. You know, a lot of people complain about the lack of VC, uh, funding here. I actually think it's it's been pretty good. If you look at Q1, I think we hit, I don't know if it was a record, we had, I think, close to 400 million in, in VC money invested in local companies. That's really, really high. Uh, and that's just for Q1. I don't know what happened in Q2 and Q3. I think one of the challenges that a lot of people miss is the fact that today versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you just have a lot more startups that are popping up. Uh, it's a lot easier today to actually create a startup, especially a tech startup. In in the old days, and I won't go, I won't tell you Back what that means. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, the rule of thumb is you you needed about a million bucks to get started in software. Software was hard. You had to have equipment. You know, all sorts of of things, today, you don't really need that. You know, you have Amazon, you know, web services, you have all sorts of tools today that that allow you to do things much less expensively. So that's meant a lot more founders, a lot more startups chasing the, you know, there's more money than there was back then in terms of angel money, but there's still a signal to noise ratio. I believe that good solid tech startups are getting funded. That's what I see. And I I think the numbers prove that. So if you're one of the unfunded, you can be kind of bitter. But what you're
0: saying is the good deals are getting funded. They are. Ryan, what about healthcare? What do you see?
3: Well, I think that's absolutely the case. And and sort of looking beyond the angel stage to institutional capital, I think there's an awful lot of energy misspent fretting about the lack of locally based venture capital in this region. Money is obviously fungible and mobile and and good investment firms uh, will go find good deals wherever they are. And the best example of that in tech, although I'm a healthcare guy, the best example of that in tech is New York City, which 15 years ago was not a place that one went to find good you know, software deals, and has become over the past decade one of the centers for tech innovation in the country, even with an awful lot of venture capital being deployed there. In healthcare, my industry, you see that here locally in the biotech community up in in. Um, in chiefly in Montgomery County. Um, There's an awful lot of national capital that comes to Washington, D.C. area to invest in healthcare businesses, D.C. being a center for healthcare innovation nationally.
0: It does strike me this region does have a weakness from the standpoint of creating really compelling software product startups. Do you, do you perceive that? Seen, we're see we great at service. We're the, we're the government service capital of the planet, but are we good at product?
1: I think that there's been a lot of software product companies that have been built here over the years. I, I don't know that there's been as many lately. There have been some very good ones lately, Opower, EverFi, and some others. But the trend that I identify is, is that over the last 10 or 15 years, I think there have been more startups but fewer entrepreneurs who have really swung for the fences. People haven't been building companies that were addressing billion-dollar market opportunities. They were addressing smaller opportunities, and people were going to raise smaller amounts of capital and build a smaller business and have a smaller exit. And that's fine. That's not a bad strategy. But that was where, to a great extent, our market sorted itself out. Maybe that was a function of coming out of a recession, a function of a lack of capital locally, a function of what they saw others doing in the area, a bunch of things contributed to it. There were other people who were playing long ball and trying to build really big companies, and the examples I cited are a few of those. I think as we go back in history, there have been a number of real software companies built here And I think there will continue to be. But I think that outside of the San Francisco and the Valley and Boston, those are the only places beyond Washington where there have been really substantial software companies built in addition to Washington. I I think there have been some pretty high-quality companies built here. But I think we can do a lot better. And I think that over time, we'll get more entrepreneurs to really swing for the fences and, and build the great companies that I believe we can build here because there's plenty of technology talent here to build them.
0: Ryan, it would strike me that, particularly with healthcare being a regulated industry and the government being such a big part of it, there should be a lot of healthcare opportunities here in the ecosystem.
3: Certainly, and and you also would think that in that, that locally based investors who have a focus on healthcare would would have some natural natural advantage in understanding where, where the winds are blowing in. And in fact, that is the case. Now, to Gene's point, you know, a lot of what attracts institutional capital are big success stories that have been achieved. And uh, in the healthcare universe, particularly, again, back to the biotech world, there have been some multi-billion dollar companies built in Montgomery County, like County in the past 15 yeah. years, like Metamune, that have been wildly successful and sort of have proven that the model works. And, what, and that attracts capital both in the market and outside the market in a way that sort of doubles and triples, even though they achieve profitability objectives and are, are quite successful, but doubles and triples just don't attract that outside capital in the same way.
0: So i got about a minute, or so left with you guys. I'm going to do a lightning round. Gene,
1: what's your best advice for an entrepreneur who's trying to get funded in this market? Talk to people who have raised money before or intermediaries who have helped people to raise money. Get advice and get contacts through them. Ed, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I, very very similarly. Um, network. Find those people. That's where you're going to find those people. You have to go out. You have to network and connect with the intermediaries, other entrepreneurs mentors.
3: Understand that when you start talking to investors about raising capital, you're both looking for investors for that point in time, as well as two or three years down the road when you're raising raising money. It makes the sort of polite no's that are endemic to the process a lot easier to take when you think about it as raising two or three rounds of capital, not just that immediate task in front of you.
0: And I think that at the end of the day, what we all have to remember is that everybody involved in this dance has got things they need to do on a personal level, professional level, And this is not a process that's based upon personal. Never take it personal if you don't raise money. Understand that all we can do is be professional in how we handle ourselves. Gentlemen, it was great having you here. This was incredibly useful content. I think you helped the entrepreneur community in D.C. a great deal. Gene Rickers, business advisor and investor, thanks for joining me. Ed Barrientos, great uh, success with Brazen. And as always, I'm sure your door will be beaten down by people looking for the next (laughs) angel investment. And Ryan Shores, co-founder of Navamed. It's always great to have you as well. Thank you. Thanks for taking time, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the DC area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online writer is Barbara Ulrich. Music provided by two DC region bands, two car living room, and the sunbathers. And a huge thank you to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and please rate the podcast and let us know who you think we should be talking to on this show. Tweet us at at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington. Download this show or any of our weekly programs at federalnewsradio.com. What's Working in Washington, Monday afternoons at 2.30 on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.